0: We read together to remind us of where we are going that is towards jesus allowing the scriptures the holy spirit and the family of god to form a fidelity of allegiance to him alone please read aloud with me as we confess this together it was by faith that even sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and too old she believed god would keep his promise and so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore there is no way to count them well good morning welcome to church glad you are with us today my name is Matthew if we haven't had a chance to meet personally yet uh, one of the pastors here will be out in the lobby right afterwards and I'd love to shake your hand and say hi and Get to know your name a little bit. Uh, if you have a copy of scripture, join me in Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to hang out today. And uh, if you have your phone with you, you can pull it out, grab, open up the camera, and on the screen there is a QR code. You should be able to scan that. It'll take you right to our sermon notes today where you can kind of follow along with the notes, read the scripture, see those things as we get going along. While you're making your way to Hebrews 11, I want to kind of give you just a couple uh, kind of reminders coming up. Uh, Number one, uh, starting April 3rd, we are launching kids ministry in our 11 o'clock service. We're real pumped about that. It's going to be exciting to be able to offer that and minister to kids at their level. And so that allows us to make a little bit more room in all of our services to meet and minister to families. And so, uh, looking forward to that And there was another thing I was going to say But I really don't remember what it is So uh, we're, we're going to just jump into the Word Does that sound good? Let's go Hebrews 11 We've been in this collection of sermons we're Looking at the stories of faith Stories of faith And looking at different characters And their lives in the scriptures To learn about their life of faith And to gain courage and encouragement and strength and insight and knowledge and understanding on how we can live a life of faith. Now, when I say faith, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about a loyal relationship with God. A loyal relationship with God. Not just some beliefs that we hold to and we agree with, but that's good. That's a part of it. Not just a feeling or an emotion you get when, like, you're feeling like, oh, yeah, we can do this. Let's go. I got faith now. Like, not some stirred-up emotional experience. When we hear the word faith, I want you to think about loyal relationship with God, towards God, a life of faith. And we're looking at this man by the name of Abraham and his wife Sarah. Now originally their name was Abram and then uh, and Sarai and then God got involved, made a covenant with them and it's like yeah 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 That old way of living, we need to give you a new identity, one that is formed and shaped with God as part of your identity. So God, like, put some of the consonants and the sounds of his name in their name. And uh, up to this point, God was Yahweh, and so he, he went from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And so God put some of his life in his name based in their name. So every time they heard their name, Abraham. He not only heard that his name meant Father of Nations, but it was Father of Nations because God was calling him to do something. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story, and you, you find the, the story of Abraham and Sarah starting in Genesis 12 all the way through Genesis 22, and if you're looking for something to do later this afternoon and you've never read the story of Abraham and Sarah, I encourage you to do it. There are some things that you're going to be like, huh, that's in the Bible? There's going to be some things you'll be like, oh, okay, I see how this is going, and and you're going to hear little jokes along the way where God like, like gently, lovingly uh, insults Abraham and Sarah both, and... And it's kind of a a really, really interesting story of turns and twists and how they are following God and tested by God and are blessed by God and and then ultimately really, really test by God. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, crazy story that has all sorts of implications as God is unfolding His story. Because the Bible is one story that all points to one person. That person is Jesus. And when we can hold on to that understanding as we get into the Scriptures and we look for how is this story telling us something about Jesus? How is this story trying to tell me something about faith in Jesus and understanding who God is and what He wants in my life? Then we begin to look at Scripture in a different light. Let's go to Hebrews 11. We're going to start in verse 8, and I'm going to read through verse 19. It should be on the screen. Are we there ready? Let's take a look at this together. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. We're all still looking forward to that as well. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. If you have a paper Bible, underline that phrase. If you're on the Central Hub, click add notes under this text and and write that phrase in there so you can look back on it and remember it. She believed that God would keep his promise. Some of you might need to hold on to that this week, that God is faithful to keep his promise to you, that God is faithful to keep his promise. Verse 12, and so a whole nation came from this one man, Who was as good as dead? That means exactly what you think it does. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashores, there is no way to even count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they still saw it all from a distance, and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country that they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Pause just for a second. I want that to be a statement about my life. I'm in pursuit of being defined in that way, that God is not ashamed to be called Matthew's God. I want my life, I want my faith, My loyal relationship with God to not be so centered on the earth and the pleasures of this life that when I look forward to a heavenly place, to a place where God will live, an eternal home, that when I look forward and God sees the faith in my life and he sees my my relationship with him, that God's like, yeah, I ain't ashamed to be called that guy's God. That when he claims the name of God, God's not hiding his face in shame. Oh, I want that to be true of my life. I think you would want that to be true of your life, that when God looks at you and you start talking about God and talking about church and talking about the things of God, that God's like, yeah, how about we let, give that message to someone else? Because like, I'm not sure you're the right person to be representing my name right now. Like, I love that God looks at the faith of these people and he says, I am not ashamed to be called their God. Oh, Lord, let it be true of us. Verse 17 says this, It was by faith then that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. We're going to come to that in a little bit. Abraham, who had offered God's promises, who had received God's promises, excuse me, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is going to be the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able he reasoned within himself that God was able to even bring him back to life again and in a sense Abraham did receive his son back from the dead you got to go check out that story it's pretty amazing friends this is the word of God this is part of this is a summary a recap a Cliff Notes version of the story of Abraham and Sarah and their life of faith. When we see this legacy of faith that they had, this this life that was shaped in in, in just a beautiful, beautiful way, as we look at their life of of their faithfulness to God, they lived in a loyal relationship with God. They, They lived in a way, believing God for something that they never actually saw tangibly occur. They saw one son, that's the only son that they saw. But now there's an entire nation and generation born of them. And for those of us spiritually who have put our faith in Jesus and received of his salvation and are part of the family of God, we too are now Abraham's descendants as well. You are part of the stars in the sky and the sands. of the, You are a living testimony to the promise that God gave Abraham and Sarah. You're part of a bigger story, by the way. You're part of a bigger story. And here's some of the things that I want us to look at about Abraham's life. And, and we started talking about Abraham and Sarah last week, and so I want to recap for you these, these things. Last week we said that if we're going to learn from their story of faith, there's a couple things we can pick up from. Number one, that Abraham was called. God was drawing Abraham into a relationship, and Abraham responded in faith. He responded in a relationship with God. He responded and said yes to that which God was putting on his heart to do. Friends, you and I can be drawn. God is drawing us, and as long as it is still today and there is breath in your lungs, you and I have the opportunity to respond to the salvation call of God and say, yes, God, I'm giving you my life that's what Abraham did. He responded to this call to be saved and rescued and walk in a new relationship with God. And it's a call that we all can face. We're not born into it. It's not an automatic given for you and me. But when the Holy Spirit starts drawing us and we recognize our life is moving in one direction... And we call and we understand the belief in who Jesus is and we accept that belief that Jesus is the Son of God sent to take away the sins of the world, to die on a cross and raise again. And our belief gets put in and we repent and we turn in a different direction. So now I'm gonna move in a new direction in my life and it's in that we are a part of the family of God. Like Abraham, we were called to leave a land and head for a new land. And this is the call of following Jesus. It's to leave behind our life of sin, and to say, God, I'm going to pursue your life that you have for me. Abraham was called. You and I are called, too. But the second thing we said last week is that Abraham was led in stages. It was little by little that he followed God. It was step by step that he followed God. It was a stage of his life by a stage of life. It's not giant leaps of faith that we make in following Jesus, It's often mundane little basic steps of submission and surrender to God as Lord in our lives. It's a little step of obedience. Our job is just to stay faithful to keep moving in God's direction. A loyal relationship with God, faith, is moving in stages and steps towards God. That's what obedience is all about. Our obedience to God is about following Him little by little, step by step, moving in the direction of God. It's steps of faith. We talk about it here at Faith Church. We want to help you take your next step in following Jesus. We want to help you take your next step in in being a part of the family of God. Some of you have attended this church for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, and you've never filled out a Connect card. Take a first step and fill out a connect card and let us get to know you and help you get to know us and help you take some steps to what does it look like to be a part of the family of God. It's, it's little by little. Some of you, you've surrendered your life to the Lord, but you've never been water baptized. You need to take that next step in your faith and be water baptized. It's happening on Easter Sunday. It's going to be a crazy wild celebration and we want to celebrate your faith, your loyal allegiance to Jesus in that way. It's a step that you can take. I had a conversation with a young man recently who's a part of our church and uh, grew up in a, a little bit more of a conservative environment. Uh, I would edge, uh, based on his description, that it was a little bit more of just a conservative. It was really, really legalistic. Really, really religious, but very little relationship some truths about God, and appreciated that heritage and that understanding, but um, when he started attending faith church, he he quickly recognized that we worship a little more expressively than other churches that he had ever been a part of. Some of you are like, oh no, for real, like I sit down and I buckle up, and I just bring my own earplugs, and I'm like, I don't even know what's about to happen up in this place, but like, whoo, hold on. And he's just sharing with me how like he was really struggling with the expressive, the clapping, the of hands, and he was very, very sincere, and he said, "I, I was really just asking God, what is it? Am I wrong in my judgment of these expressions, or is that right and I need to change? And he had a very, very, very sincere request of the Lord. And he said that Sunday, he walked in, and that morning I took some time to explain scripturally why we lift our hands and why we clap. Here's the Cliff Notes version, because God said to do it. He's the one getting the love and the worship so he gets to define what love and worship is. That's why we do it the way that we do it. And he was he's like a light bulb went off in my head like, "Oh, exactly. That makes so much more sense." Friends, it's when we grow in an understanding of what it looks like to be in a relationship with God, and we understand what the Word says, all of a sudden we take a next step. Some of you sang for the first time out loud once you started attending our church. Here's my encouragement. Don't just stop with singing. Start with some clapping too. Do that for a few weeks, and then then get your hands a little bit out on the slower songs, and your eyes closed, and and quit looking around at other people, and one day before you know it, you're going to be full-on surrender to God, and you're going to have an encounter with God that you never knew you could have. Why? Because God is always willing to meet you on the other side of your obedience, and until you obey, there are parts that God reserves for you until you get on the other side of your obedience, Where have you stalled out in your spiritual growth? It's time to move forward step by step, little by little, and experience a richness in your relationship with God because there is a loyal relationship that is being developed in your heart towards God. 2 Peter 1, verses 3. It's not going to be on your notes, it was kind of a, a last minute substitution. Uh, this morning as I was praying, felt to, to read this scripture, Second Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3 through 9. L- listen to the to the progression, the step by step, the loyal faith of God. By his divine power, that's God, God has given us, don't miss this, everything that we need for living, don't miss this, a godly life. Not a selfish life, not a sinful life not a slave to our sexual desired life. No, no. He has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him relationship the one who called us to himself salvation by means of his marvelous glory and excellence and because of his glory and excellence not yours or mine he has given us great and precious promises these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires can I pause for a minute The promise that he's referring to, don't miss this, is the grace of God applied in your life. The animating presence of grace in your life is more than just the unmerited favor. It's an empowerment to live a godly life. What is that empowerment? His name is Holy Spirit. When you receive the salvation of God, God's spirit lives on the inside of you. He moves in and takes residence. He is the greatest promise that God ever has given to humanity. And he lives on the inside of you and he possesses everything that you need to live a life that honors God instead of one that makes God great. He's given you everything inside of him is the gift and the grace and the strength. That's why would Paul write, would write to the Galatians church and he says, don't walk in, the ffle- in your flesh and fulfill your earthly desires. No, instead walk according to the Spirit. Be animated, driven, led by, coordinating, calling the plays in your ear like a football quarterback, getting the next play in. The Holy Spirit wants to give you that next play for how to live a godly, God-honoring life. He's the greatest promise you'll ever receive, and it's a free gift because grace is a free gift. The more I'm studying Scripture, I just got to let this hang out there for a little bit. I'm, I'm discovering that every time grace is personified or activated, it's always actually a work of the Holy Spirit. That was for, like, the, those of you who are, like, on 4.0 level of following Jesus, and you've leveled up a few times, and you've been at this for a little while. Give you a little breadcrumb to trail out in the Bible this week. He goes on to say this. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption based on humans' desires. In view of all of this, this is where it comes to, to our obedience. Listen, our next steps. Make every effort to respond to God's promises supplement or add to your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, some versions say of godly virtue. Add to your virtue these things, and add to your moral excellence or virtue knowledge, and knowledge self-control. Add to your self-control patience add to your patience endurance and to patient endurance godliness and godliness with brother affection brotherly affection and to brotherly affection love for everyone the more you grow like this the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ now he flips the script for a second this is the bible not me i just i'm just reading the bible okay here's what it says but those who fail to develop In this way, are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they were even cleansed from their old sins. In other words, God says, you've got a relationship with me. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. I've given you everything in your life that you need to live a godly life, but you're still living the old view the 1.0 version of you, and God's called you to live a 2.0 version of you. And you think that it's your identity. You think that you're a sinner. You think that you're a slave to sin. You think that you're scum. You think that you're incapable. You think all of these things, and God's sitting there saying, no, no, you're living in an old way. Don't you know I put my spirit inside of you? You don't have to live in that old way. You can make steps moving in the direction. And so you can add to your initial relationship, salvation with God, some virtuous living. You can add some patience. You can add some self-control. Good Lord, don't we need some self-control? You can add some patience, Lord. I ain't praying for patience but I'll take some if it's free and, and some, some patience some endurance to keep going and not quit and not lose heart in the process add something to Oh, I believe I prayed a prayer one time I went down I was baptized and sprinkled as a kid but I'm living like a son of hell instead of a son of God it's time to add a little bit more to your virtue There's something that I uh, deeply hold to, something that uh, I've heard referred to as the toddler principle in Scripture or or of faith. Toddler principle is this, that when a baby is born, you get two, three years old, you expect a baby to act like a baby, right? And, And what happens? That toddler, let's say they're learning to walk, and they're taking some steps, and then all of a sudden, they start to stumble around, and they're, like, grabbing at you in places that are just like, hey, 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 hold on. Let me keep my pants on. Look. And they're just grabbing, and they're grabbing at stuff in the, in the house and pulling stuff off the shelf, and they're bumping their head, and they're making a mess. And what is our response as parents? Oh, you're so cute. You, you, you took a step. Yay. Take another. One more step. Come on. Come to dad One more step. But when your 17 year old comes stumbling in, barely able to walk, you're like, What you been drinking, boy? Really? Like, it's a totally different conversation. Why? Because as we grow, the behavior ought to mature with the age. As a church, hear me. You will not hear us condemn, judge, or criticize. Infants in Christ for acting like infants in Christ. You're not going to hear it. You're going to hear us celebrating. Oh, you drove around all week and you didn't flip anyone off? Way to go! How about we go two weeks this time? Oh, you. Oh, my goodness, you mean you went into Walmart and only had a complaining fit for 10 seconds instead of for 10 minutes? Way to go. You're maturing. Keep going. Next time, let's not complain and give a dirty look to the cashier who's moving slow. It's steps. Why? Because your life of faith, your relationship, your loyal relationship with God is one step of obedience at a time. One step moving towards Jesus at a time. And at the same time, friends, some of you have been following God for 17 years. It's time to get out of diapers. It's time to grow some. It's time to to add some maturity. It's time to get into the Word. It's time to take some steps in following Jesus. And it's time to move forward. Listen, listen. We've got to be people who deeply desire a loyal relationship with God to such a degree that we're willing just to keep taking steps in his direction. Come on, elbow your neighbor and say, just keep stepping. Just keep stepping towards God. Abraham was called. You're called. Abraham was led in stages. Your life of faith with God is going to be led in stages. Number three... Abraham received a covenant of blessing. Now, when I say the word blessing, uh, you probably have your own preconceived ideas to what that means. Right? I say the word blessed, you're thinking, like, I I got a certain car. My house is maybe a certain size. My relationship looks a certain way. School is over, and I passed all of my classes that I for sure was going to flunk. I'm just blessed. Right? Like, we've turned it into a hashtag. Hashtag blessed which means a humble brag, I'm going to call it blessed, but what I'm really doing is flexing on you, making you feel like a fool and me feel real good. It it may just be the hashtag thing. Friends, that is not what blessing is. That is not the totality of what the blessing, the blessing, friends, is not greed covered up in Christian ease. The blessing of God is not the law of attraction where you are manifesting your own selfish desires for your own selfish sake. the blessing of God is not a, oh, bless your heart, which is like the nicest insult I think anybody would ever give you, right? Like, and depending on how they inflex and when they say bless your heart, that either is a nice thing or they just don't want to hurt your feelings and tell you the truth kind of a thing. It's not God's way of saying, oh, you just make a mess all the time. Just You're just the sweetest little thing. Bless your heart. Like, that's not God. That's not his blessing. For, for Abraham, when God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I am going to make your name known. Abraham, I'm going to give you a really big family. You are going to be fruitful and multiply. In other words there are things in your body that ain't working that are going to start working miraculously. There's going to be a blessing and a sign of God's blessing in your life. When he looked at Abraham and says, "I'm going to give you land for you to cultivate, to develop, to expand and to bring about the presence and the place of God in this space." Abraham was not thinking a new camel with less mileage When God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham wasn't even thinking a new wife. When God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham would have understood the idea and the concept of blessing from the story that God had already been unfolding throughout his people throughout history of time. In other words, when God says you will be blessed, it is up to the reader in the Bible to then go look back and define Through the narrative of Scripture, what does blessed look like up to this point? Because God gets to define what blessed is. You don't get to define what blessed is. I don't get to define what blessed is. God gets to define what blessed is. And when you look back, Abraham would have known the story of Adam and Eve. Abraham would have known the story of Noah by this point. Abraham knew when God said, i was going to bless you, so he knew that the understanding of blessing linked all the way back where it originated, and that was in the Garden of Eden. Um, our, our, the, the folks at the Bible Project, you can go to BibleProject, I think it's .org, and they've got a podcast and an app and website and videos. It's absolutely a brilliant resource if you want to grow in understanding what the Bible is saying. Throughout the narrative and the story of the gospel, it's beautiful, and they've recently done one on this idea of blessing and contrasting the idea of blessing and cursing, and they—they're the ones who I, I introduced this thought to me about this idea that blessing has to be defined based on what God has already said is blessing, not based on what they want blessing to mean, and this is what they say, because because again, Adam or excuse me, Abraham, would have known the blessing that God god said would be in adam and eve in the garden story he would have known that so blessing has to fit in that context for him here's 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 what we learned from eden's story god's blessing in the eden story is conditional upon adam and eve's willingness to trust god's word that the tree of knowing good and evil would kill them even though don't miss this it looked like a blessing. Whenever humans take what is a blessing in their own eyes, they forfeit God's true blessing. In Genesis 3, you see God cursing two times. He never cursed Adam and Eve. Genesis 3, when you read, What happens after they took of the fruit, they disobeyed, they didn't trust God's word, they trusted in their own desire for knowledge of good and evil. They took the fruit, they were deceived, they ate. In Genesis 3, you see God begin to lament the result of that decision that they made. And within his lament, there is a curse that he pronounces. He curses the serpent in verses 14 and 15. And he curses the ground, Genesis three seventeen. To be cursed is the opposite of the blessing. The blessing was to rule and reign, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth, to be co-partners uh, with each other and with God in bringing about the goodness of God in the space that God had created for them. The, the curse is the opposite of the blessing, which was to rule and reign. It's lowly and in the dirt. So the serpent was going to crawl on the dirt for the rest of his life. So, so, so then um, Adam, he cursed the ground. And that meant Adam wasn't going to just see crops. Pop, 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 pop. He was going to have to sweat and toil. And the thorn and the thistle would now be his adversary in creating something good and fruitful and satisfying and creating a sustainable, flourishing life. When the humans God has chosen to bless and to be a blessing, don't miss this, try to take blessing by their own means, they bring about a curse instead. Notably, if the blessing of Eden was for Adam and Eve to rule together, then the curse produces a power struggle between men and women. And generations of people followed, treating each other, like animals instead of partners. Don't miss this. Why is Abraham's story so messy? Some of you have read it. You know. He he tries to grab a hold of the blessing in his own way. He he goes and he they they conjure up a plan for because Sarah wasn't wasn't able to conceive, and so he's like, well, well let's. Try your, your maiden. I'll go sleep with her and your servant, and we'll see if this thing will work. Maybe that'll be the way God blesses us. Uh, we're, go we're going to Egypt to get away from this famine because there was no food available. The ground had been cur- There was nothing being produced. Oh, let's go to Egypt. We go to Egypt. Hey, tell everybody you're my sister so that they don't steal you and kill me. I'll get to live, and I know you're going to have to be kind of like a slave and a toy and do whatever the Pharaoh says to do, by the way. Uh, and so now there's this, like, this weird dynamic, the exploitation of women. It is wrought in the story of, Ad, of, of Abraham. Why? Because it's evident of a land and lives and the reality of a curse in the world. And it's all through the story where God was trying to bring a blessing to Abraham. Abraham kept trying to do things his own way. And as he grabbed for the blessing in his own way, it actually made it worse. But friends, I've got good news. In our failures and our attempts to do it in our own way, God is faithful. He doesn't cancel his promises. He holds his promises to be true. And he gives them time and time and time again. When God blesses someone or something, it's an effective blessing. It means he brings it into reality, the thing that God is saying. It's a performative speech, a creative act. In the Bible, there is no neutral, unblessed state of humanity. Either you are blessed by God or you are living under the curse. God desires to bless humanity. So if humans are under the curse, it's because they have not chosen to receive the blessing that comes from a relationship, a covenant with God. God gave Abraham a covenant. It was a covenant of blessing. It was a covenant to reverse the effects of the curse. To to reverse the lack of fruitfulness in their life. to to reverse a lack of presence of God in their lives. And and you'll notice it in in Abraham's story, the way God brings about the blessing, the way God brings about this covenant, it is a throwback to what happened in Eden. They met around a tree when God met with them. There was a promise that God said he would be with them. He was going to multiply his family, give him land to fill, and it was a covenant for a life of flourishing everywhere they went. Friends, that is the promise of God. And you'll find out here in a little bit in Galatians that God says that promise that was to Abraham is now available to every person who chooses to put their faith in Jesus. That's good news. Abraham was called, Abraham was led in steps and stages and Abraham received a covenant blessing. All these things are ours too. And here's the third one, or here's the fourth one. Fourth lesson that we get from Abraham's story of faith. Abraham was tested. He was tested. There is a difference between testing and temptation, there is a difference between a trial and a trap. It all depends on who is proctoring the test. When God is the proctor of the test, it is a trial meant to refine and reveal some things in your life. Namely, his life and work already in you. When the enemy of your soul is proctoring the test, it is a temptation meant to trap you to make you sin and stumble and move away from God instead of continuing to take steps toward God. A trial is meant to reveal and refine. A temptation wants to bring you distraction and distance from God. A trial is meant to bring you close to God, to reveal His empowering grace at work in your life, and it creates an opportunity for you to partner with God. For his name's sake and his glory to be heard. There's a difference. Listen to James chapter 1 verses 2 through 18. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, when your loyal relationship to God is tested, that's when your endurance has a chance to grow. Oh, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. If you need wisdom, and ask your generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking for it. But when you ask Him, oh, be sure that your faith, your loyalty, is in God alone. Not in the results, but in God alone. Don't waver for a person who is divided in their loyalty (laughs) is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they're unstable in everything that they do. Believers who are poor and have something to boast about for God honored them. For those who are rich should boast that God is helping to humble them. They will fade away like flowers in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers and the little flowers droops and falls. And its beauty fades away. In other words, everything of this world will be tested and refined. And sometimes what we hold so dearly in this life, God has to loosen our grip. So that we can trust him more than we trust in this thing the bank account, the job, the, f- the friendship, the thing. God didn't spare his own son to save you. There's nothing you're holding on to in your life as a God that God's not willing to sacrifice and test and get rid of so that he can have all of your heart too. But friends, God blesses those who patiently endure such testing temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Oh, and remember, when you're being tempted, the Bible uses testing and temptation almost interchangeably. It's up to the reader to identify the proctor of the test. He says, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. In other words, God's not gonna tempt you to sin. Temptation comes from your own desires and your flesh which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death within us. So don't be misled, brothers and sisters. Whatever is good, whatever is perfect, well, that's a gift coming down to us from God the Father who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. There is no deceit in Him. In other words, He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word, Jesus. And we, out of all creation, have now become His prized possession. Friends, when you put your faith in Jesus, And your relationship with God is firmly on the foundation of Christ, your solid rock. The enemy is going to try to tempt you to sin, to go in the wrong direction. God is going to allow testing and trials to show up in your life so that you can be revealed as a true son or daughter who is still remaining loyal when all of the world is cursing God. You can stay faithful to your friendship with God. And he reminds you, friends, we're all whether you're facing a trial or everything is up and to the right in your life right now. As children of God, you are his most beloved possessions. He's crazy about you. He's watching over you. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. Oh, oh, you might be stumbling in your in your walk with the Lord. You might be sinning along the way. You might still be messing up, but you're getting up and still moving in his direction instead of sitting and throwing a fit about it. You're standing back up, and he's cheering. You on. Come on. You can do it. Take one more step. Yeah, it's been seven days. Go 14 more without another sip. It's been 18 days. Go some more without another strip drip, drip, drip of pills. It's been 20 days since you've looked on the wrong thing on the internet. Go 20 more. It's been a year since you've been unfaithful. Stay faithful to your spouse. It's been 45 days since you lost it in anger and punched a hole in the wall. Go 45 more. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. He's cheering you on, friends. But don't miss testing from God refines us for His glory. The test is meant to lead us to a place where we are closer to God and we can see His grace at work in our lives. Friends, God is giving you the test, not because He's looking at you to fail. He's wanting to reveal that He will never fail you. Abraham faced so many tests. Every chapter in Genesis Uh, From 12 all the way through 22 was essentially another test of Abraham's loyalty to the promise and the covenant that God gave him. And he screwed them up royally. And then you get to the last one when God asks him to offer his son. And the scripture says God did it specifically to test the loyalty of Abraham's faith. Abraham passed that test. Friends, you may have failed the test yesterday, you may have failed the test a week ago, you may have failed the trial last time that you went around, but God is going to give you another opportunity in His grace to pass it. And He's going to remind you as you get ready to face the test, He sent me to tell you today, He's already put inside of you everything that you need pertaining to life and living a godly life to pass the test and remain loyally faithful to Him. It's His grace at work in your life. It's the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead, that lives on the inside of you, animating and moving your life. It's up to us to yield and respond and say, God, yeah, I'm going to keep surrendering. I'm going to not give up. I'm going to stand back up, and I'm going to take another step. I'm going to take another step. It feels like all of hell is squeezing me, but I'm going to keep holding on to you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my Loyal relationship. Don't give up, friends. Some of you are facing really, really, really tough trials and challenges. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he wants to reveal something beautiful. He wants to grow your relationship with him. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. You may have changed jobs because you couldn't handle that type of personality again. You're going to run into that same personality at the new job, by the way. Because the problem isn't that personality. They've got plenty of issues on their own. The problem is actually you. God is trying to shape some character in you, trying to teach you some opportunities of what it looks like to be faithful to Him. You're going to keep running against the same problems along the way because it's not about the problems, it's about the process of God purifying your own life because God is not after a happy church. He's after a holy church. Don't don't don't, don't mistake me. God, God wants to give you joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. He wants to develop joy in you. You know what happens in your life If you are looking and weighing decisions based on, is this helping me be holy and live like God? Or is this going to make me happy in this season? That is you trying to grab a blessing in your own way, and it's not going to work out the way you want it to. That's how the tests and the trials of our faith work. Because God is more interested in your holiness that produces a lasting joy Rather than some happiness that is here today, gone tomorrow, and is circumstantial. Don't give up. God is faithful. Even when your faith falters. God's faithful. And this is why we come to communion every week and remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. Would you stand with me? would you grab your elements hopefully that you received on your way in and there's some available if you need some get our host attention, they'll get you some if you're at home, I hope you've got some elements of some kind, go ahead and just open those elements up you can peel the top layer back and get to the wafer there and then open that second layer and just hold, hold on to those just for a minute we'll all partake in a minute in fact when we're done and we dismiss you'll be able to get rid of your empty cups on your way out. Our host will be at the door to kind of collect those for you. But let's come to the Lord's table together. And I, I want to read a scripture to you and over you as we come to this moment together. You just bow your heads, close your eyes for a minute? Galatians 3 says, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted it him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles, or anybody who's not an Israelite, that's you and me, gave the Gentiles the right in God's sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when He said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse still. For Scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all of the commandments that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it's through faith that a righteous person has life, the flourishing life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. No, no, no. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the very curse for our wrongdoings. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, that's us, with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through our faith. God, as we stand here with these elements in our hands, the, bread repre- the, 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 the wafer representing your body and the bread, this juice representing the, the cup of blessing and your blood, Lord, it's our faith in you, our willingness to surrender, to believe, accept, and choose to follow you. This loyal relationship that we are in pursuit of. God, on the other side of that is a cup of blessing, a blessing of Abraham, a blessing of a life that flourishes. Jesus said it was an abundant life that you came to give us. So today, God, as we stand here with these elements, some of us, Lord, there's repenting that we're doing. Some of us, God, there's some confession that we're making where we've been confessing the stumbles and the the hiccups and the failures. God, some of us, for the first time in our lives, are maybe putting our faith in you as our Lord and our Savior as the one to make us right. Lord, whatever our response is today, would you help us just take one more step in loyal relationship with you this week? That's the commitment of our heart, and that's what we're asking as we take these elements today. That night, Jesus was with his disciples. He took some bread. He blessed it, and he says, this is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's receive that together. Then he lifted a cup. He said, this is the cup of a new covenant, a new covenant of blessing. Being established and started today every time you drink this cup of blessing remember me becoming the curse for you let's take it together father here in this room we all are at varied walks of our lives Lord, i pray that today your your spirit spoke to us something something that we can take away and move closer towards you. God, there are many in this room who maybe are really struggling. They're walking through a dark, dark season. They feel trials and pressure on every side. God, would you give them the courage to go to the prayer spot here in a minute and get prayer and allow the people of God to surround them and speak faith over them and encouragement over them and pray with them that they too would endure whatever it is that they're facing? god would you give us the courage to do those things lord this week would you help us remain loyally faithful in a relationship with you jesus and if we stumble help us get back up lord it's my joy to pronounce this benediction over your people today lord would you bless us and keep us would you make your face shine on us and be gracious to us would you lift your countenance of delight towards us and give us your peace We pray this in the name of the Father who loves us, the Son who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And the people of God said, Amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link, and when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, you're, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.